it's not always about getting people to be vegan or to be plant-based but to be open to the idea and if we can get that across to those people who are specifically in that industry then we're really making some headway welcome to the vegan manly man podcast what's going on guys thank you so much for tuning in my name is jake singer and i'm your host for the vegan manly man podcast the show where we talk about self-growth plant-based living, and sharing the message of love, compassion, and peace for all beings. Today, I have an amazing guest on the show. He is an influential male leader in the vegan community with an insanely muscular physique and a big heart to match. He grew up in Wyoming as a multi-sport athlete, became a rancher and hunter, and then turned his life completely around to advocate for animal rights and veganism, becoming one of the most well-known vegan bodybuilders in the game. While maintaining his super heavyweight vegan bodybuilding physique, he is now a gym owner, public speaker, and Reiki energy healer, continuing to share his message of love for all beings through his Midwestern values and down-to-earth attitude. Please welcome to the show, Ryan Nelson. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, definitely honored to be here and tell you a little bit about myself and what I got going on in the world right now. Absolutely cool. Thank you so much, dude. I've actually admired you for a while now. Um, you're actually one of the first vegan bodybuilders that I started following and I just remember uh, saying, damn, that guy's huge. And all my misconceptions about vegan muscle were thrown out the window right there. So, you know, you're one of those guys when people try to debunk the whole weak and scrawny vegan stereotype, they, they definitely pull up your picture. So, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've kind of took pride in that. And, um, it's something that, you know, being a, a bigger guy that's six, four, you know, two thirty to two fifty um is something that i think breaks a lot of stereotypes for people um that are maybe doubtful about veganism or if you can be muscular and be vegan or strong or be vegan and i'm perfectly fine being that image so yeah man it's, it's good absolutely cool yeah well you've definitely owned up to it for sure so i like to start my interview podcast with a deeper question so the audience can really get to know uh, what you're about at your core, and then we'll explore a little more to understand um, how your life has brought you to the answer. So what is your mission statement for life? So, um, and and we'll probably talk a lot more about this, but um, just on kind of a, an outer um, edge of, of the whole conversation, you know, uh, fitness has been a big part of my life for a long time now, since I was very little. And... Um, you know, more recently, all plant-based nutrition. So uh, with those two things combined, they really came together to, um, you know, give me my mission statement on, and why I'm here on earth. Um, I think that, you know, through those through those two assets uh, that I have and I'm really into and uh, care a lot about, I'm able to relay a message to others in a very positive way, maybe sometimes that isn't overwhelmingly pushy. Like um, sometimes I feel like activism sometimes is a little bit pushy and people feel offended or, you know, this is more of a, um, uh, you know, without talking a lot, it's it's more action, you know, action speaking for itself. And um, I really like to influence people in that way. And, um, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be Sometimes a lot of times stereotypical vegan um, and talk so much about it, rather just 
you know, walk the walk and be about it and be that image for people. And, um, yeah, that's really been, um, kind of the idea to, to where I've got to now. You mentioned that, yeah, I, I just, just took over a gym and gym owner now. And, uh, I really want it to be a, a place where people can be educated and feel comfortable and learn about plant-based nutrition and being vegan. And, um, that, that's my mission statement, man. In the end, at the end of the day, I, I want it to, um, to save animals and help the environment and beyond that, um, have a healthier, happier population. And I think there's a lot that can go with those, those things right there. And, um, a lot of issues right now that are, are big time, um, that are existing that could definitely be solved heading in that direction. And if me promoting a plant-based diet and exercise and health, um, can be a little section of that to help go in that direction, then that ultimately is, you know, what I'm here to do. And, um, that's my mission statement. I think does that, does that cover it pretty good? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Just, I mean, I think you, I think you more or less, uh, hit all the points, you know, just being an example for others to live a happier and healthier uh, life through, through a vegan lifestyle and, and just, educate them through your actions there we go uh, i like that to make, the, to make the world a better place so yeah man that's it right there cool <laughs> perfect so uh your story is an interesting one most people don't grow up as ranchers and hunters and then turn into vegan bodybuilders and animal rights advocates tell me about your life growing up uh and the timeline that led you to where you are today yeah, I uh, did grow up in Wyoming, a very small town of Wyoming, Bighorn, Wyoming, northern, north central Wyoming, um, small town population 119, and I went to a um, school there, Bighorn High School, Bighorn Middle School, Bighorn Elementary School, all the way from kindergarten through 12, um, and yeah, I grew up um, raising many cattle. Um, my father and I, and we did that, you know, for, for many years, 15 plus years as I was growing up and it was a big source of income for my family and something that I grew up around and seemed very normal. Um, even though certain parts of it didn't seem normal, like the parts that we would be friends with them. And then at the end of the year, we would, you know, end their lives and then consume them. It seemed kind of weird, but then after a while, it was just looked at as something that you do. And, um, that's what I knew. Right. Um, and I went on through my, um, early teens and, and later teens being a, a huge hunter. Um, in Wyoming, there's a, a, a lot of hunting that happens, um, deer and antelope and elk and uh, turkeys and pheasants and all those different animals are commonly hunted in Wyoming. And that was something that I, I was a part of. And I took a lot of pride in that. And that was something that my father uh, passed down to me and was passed down from his father. And, um, you know, that was uh, how I put food on the table. And I thought that was a great way of doing it. I really did. And um, it wasn't until my early 20s after college that I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota and was in a rela relationship with a really nice woman 
um, who had some digestive issues. And we had worked on both of our nutrition together um, and eliminated certain foods. And she felt a lot better and I felt better. And it was kind of a light bulb. And one day she came home and said, I'm going to go vegan. And I said, okay, cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I continued to do kind of what I thought was my clean eating, chicken, fish, uh, veggies, sweet potato, that kind of bodybuilder style bodybuilder, diet. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I wasn't doing dairy. I had been dairy free for three years. Um, but outside of that, I watched her over the next month completely heal her digestive system. And she was like, I think you should give veganism a try. And I was like, open to the idea, a little resistant, but was knowing that the dinner table in, in Wyoming and those values were pretty, pretty set in me that I knew that was a big place and part in a relationship was like eating food together and being divided in what you ate was a major factor I felt like in a relationship. So from that aspect, I knew that if I wanted dinner cooked from me for me, I better be vegan. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I was a little skeptical, like I said, and uh, she was nice enough to buy me these really nice body fat calipers one Christmas. Around that time, maybe it even was. And so I did the body fat caliper test. And I can't remember exactly what it was now, but I was somewhere around the mid seven percentile body fat. And that's, you know, that's a that's lean, good. that's a lean <laughs> body fat for sure for a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, and after three weeks, I did it again to kind of see where I was at. I could see that I was leaner. I knew I was leaner. The scale said I was leaner, but I wanted to look on, on the body fat calipers. And so when I did that at the time I was 229 and I believe when I, I checked in, I was uh, 222. So seven pounds lighter in three weeks. And, you know, I think a lot of men and bros, maybe I should say even more, would be like pretty nervous about that, especially if they were just looking at the scale, right? But I had done the body fat calipers. And what I saw in the body fat calipers is that my body fat went from 7.5 to somewhere in the low 5%. So now I'm looking like super diced at 222. And what I noticed was the 229 to 222 was seven pounds on the scale, but on the calipers, it was actually eight pounds of fat and I went up a pound of muscle. So that was just really a big testament in kind of a selfish, like body image style way of immediately hooking me into being vegan. And um, I think, you know, some other like, um, watch a few Netflix shows uh, I know what, or maybe one's a YouTube, one's very graphic, um, Earthlings, I believe is the name yeah. of it. And after that, I was like, I'm, I'm good for a while. And like, that was kind of just making some connections, you know, because obviously I was a hunter. I grew up a cattle rancher, like those sorts of things were very common as far as like, you know, animals lives being ended. That's very common in like the hunting cattle ranching world. So it wasn't anything new to me, but visually watching it and at that point not being in so much into the hunting, but just more a consumer. And I think what really did it for me from an ethical standpoint is when I started doing the math 
and math is uh, like numbers to me is really visual and now looking at it you know again and it really one animal or or two animals or three animals like zero animals being sacrificed for someone's taste is acceptable and now i know this i i see it from the outside totally but at the time i'm doing the math in my head and i'm thinking you know i'm this big bodybuilder kind of dude and i i need a lot of protein and so i'm gonna eat six chicken breasts a day um and i'm gonna eat two fish fillets a day and that's gonna make me really big and strong and i'm gonna get all my protein and that's gonna be great you know that's this is me you know like this all this center focus on me and I'm going to consume this to get to there. And then I started thinking a little bit about that more and what six chicken breast was. Well, that, that actually let's, well, each chicken has two breasts and that's three chickens and each fish has two fillets and that's one fish and that's four animals a day. And every week that's 28 animals. And Every month, that's more than a hundred, and every year, it's more than a thousand. Yeah. And when I started doing the math, I couldn't help but visually think about the football stadium that I played in for so many years, and think about over fifty years how many animals would be inside that football stadium. And I didn't really have a good reason for it at that point. I'd been vegan for three weeks, and I kind of said in my head, like, you know, vegan food tastes really good, and um, you know, I feel a lot better physically and mentally after being vegan now. I don't really think I have an excuse outside of being convenient. And in living in a big city, that's not even really a, a good excuse anymore. So I had zero reason not to be vegan. And at that point, I made an ethical decision that I would no longer consume animals and uh yeah that was thanksgiving eight years ago going i'm going on eight years now wow. um thanksgiving was seven so now we're working on going on eight years of being vegan um a little over seven i guess but that's yeah, amazing yeah so it's been um yeah it has been amazing every aspect of it's been amazing it's been um an amazing journey and yeah just bringing it back to now I have this awesome all vegan gym. And so that's what I'm super happy about right now and been putting a lot of work into it. And we had the soft opening about 11 days ago and grand opening coming up in one month in like five days, I think. And we got some super fun stuff coming up for that. So, um, yeah, dude, that's a little bit about me and catching it up to current time. Very cool, man. So, and that's awesome that you switched on Thanksgiving. I, I went actually on the same day. I think a lot of people switch on Thanksgiving. I'm not sure why. Maybe just because it's such a food-related holiday and maybe they make these connections. But do you think that because you were already eating the vegan food and that you realized that it, it tasted good and you know it wasn't that hard, do you think that opened you up to the ethical side of things more? Because like you said, you know, animals dying and that was all commonplace you know back in wyoming for for ranching and, and especially for hunting obviously so you know do you think that that helped kind of um open your mind a little bit more to realize that the multitude of of how bad things actually were in the animal agriculture industry yeah definitely i think it really put into perspective like the volume like if i was consuming a whole football field a stadium rather 
full of animals in a 50-year span, that would mean that so were all my other bodybuilder friends. And that would mean that there was so, so were all the other gyms in that town. And that would be all the other gyms in the country. And outside of that, you know, like, wow, this is really a huge scale now that we're talking about and really visually being powerful to me, not only on a scale of this is really horrible that innocent animals are being sacrificed for what? We don't have a reason now, but the resources required for that much animal consumption really then starts to just become mind-blowing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you? Uh, what did your family react uh, uh, when you told them that you had switched over to this vegan lifestyle? I don't know if you ever got the same thing or not, but for me, like a lot of people th- kept thinking I was doing like this cleanse that I was just going to do for like a little while or something. <laughs> and it was like, so you're, you've done the vegan thing for like a few months now. Are you you're about done with that? You want to go out for like some, uh, you know, some sort of meat or something like that? And I'm like, no, I think I'm going to stick with this and just keep going with it. And they're like, really? You're still going with it? But <laughs> So you didn't, yeah, so you mean, didn't get uh, any like crazy I mean, backlash or anything? I mean – so my dad, he he works actually to this day, still does, works at what is called a game farm. A game farm is a place where people come out and they pay a certain amount of money and they go out in the truck and they look at an elk that they want to harvest or that is a nicer way of saying kill or murder. Um, but what they would say and they do that right there. And my dad is a, uh, big machine operator and he blades all the roads and puts all the dams and culverts in and is fully full-time employed by them. So his lifestyle is very much so different than mine. He is hundred percent supportive of what I do and understands why I do what I do. Um, and you know, I, I told him here a while back, you know, in a, in a very personal setting, why it is that I, I am, you know, choosing not to consume animals. And he fully understands that, um, you know, he's a grown man. He's, I, he just turned 63, 64 years old here a few days ago. And he's been doing his thing for a while and it's working just fine. I suppose, you know, I think his health could definitely be better. And I would love to be there every day to cook him food because he's open to my my food. every. I, I love cooking. He's always down with my food. Right. Um, That's good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he understands it. And, you know, it's, it's cool. Actually, I moved out to Arizona here uh, a year ago. And my mom's lived out here for three years now. And that's kind of one of the reasons I moved out here, being an only child, uh, be closer to family and mom's out here. And um, it's a good place to be at out here, especially living up north for 29 years, a uh, little bit warmer in the wintertime. <laughs> definitely. So definitely uh, like that aspect. But yeah, man, um, it, it's, it's, really been, it's really been good. I lost my track of thought there a second. But yeah, mom, mom went vegan too, and uh, it, it's been good. She's loving it. She, she's always loved to cook too. Um, 
but it, it's been kind of fun watching her relearn to cook vegan. She made some carrot soup the other day that was just off the hook, and she was pretty pumped about it. She brought it into the gym. That's awesome. Yeah, my dad's the same way. He loves making soups. My parents have both been vegan now for a couple of years, and my dad's uh, newly retired, and he just sits at home and like comes up with like the craziest soup recipes i don't even know he has cookbooks but i mean some of the stuff he comes up with i'm just like where did you get this from he's like well i combined these three different recipes <laughs> so uh yeah it's always nice when the when the parents can uh convert over uh especially since they've lived so much longer in their lives eating animal products and living yeah you know, by a certain yeah uh, i agree societal standards mm -hmm. so so what what kind of conversations do you have uh with current hunters or ranchers or animal farmers, you know, like how do you try to connect with them when you talk to them? Yeah, I mean, a really good way of approaching people in uh, those groups or areas that you mentioned is connecting with them on a level of I'm from Wyoming, I grew up a rancher, I've hunted, I've done all those things, I've seen both sides of the, you know, fence, if you want to call it that. And I can tell you that one side is, has greener grass. Um, and, you know, just knowing now what I do, uh, the only thing that I regret, and this is so redundantly oversaid by every vegan, that I didn't do it sooner. Um, but, um, you know, I've, I've had some really interesting conversations this year specifically, um, I did a lot of work traveling around the country this year. I was on a couple different um, traveling circuits, one being a traveling vegan NASCAR circuit for a vegan NASCAR racer, Leilani Munter, and the Vegan Strong Car, and then another being the vegan bodybuilding and fitness um, circuit going around to all the fitness expos around the country. And so there was a lot of really interesting conversation, um, not specifically with hunter ranchers, but some of the bigger supplement companies, such as like the egg companies and one dairy farm company in particular um, called Fairlife. And I, I, I wanted to ask them, similar to what the opening question was that you asked me, um, kind of what their mission statement was because I wanted to know more about fair life in the dairy industry. And so they did go on to give me a long, long, entailed story that seemed very rehearsed. And I did bring up a lot of very good questions for them that they were unsure of and that they would need to get back to me or ask their owner more about. Um, so it was interesting, I think, that they weren't I don't think prepared for questions from someone who was what I feel like fairly educated on veganism, dairy farming, cruelty, and the aspect of I've been there, I've done that. I grew up on a cattle farm. I had dairy cows. Right. So um, there was a lot to be said there. Uh, definitely about aspects of, you know, like, well, dairy cows aren't always pregnant. They have to be obviously impregnated somehow to produce milk and have a baby that then is taken away to take the milk from her. So that process and, 
you know, how they, how they take care of the cattle. Um, they were telling me that, you know, that they really are high believers in, in the standards of, um, the aspect of the, the baby gets to drink the first bit of milk from the mom before they take it away. And I'm like, yeah, come <laughs> on, man. Right. Like that's where you're drawing the line of like, all right. Yeah. That, that's ethical and moral. Like the first drink and then that's all you get. Like what's up with that? So I don't know. Then they, they wanted to talk about how all their, uh, trucks ran on the manure from the cows. Um, and that that was really environmentally helpful. Um, and in the grand scheme of, and in the grand scheme of things, I'm just like, this has such little impact on how harmful this is that this is just some little marketing thing that you have here to go along with your fair life name. But, um, I think that I have had some interesting conversations and, you know, doing this long enough now, um, I don't need to raise my voice or get angry or make it any sort of, you know, big argument. I can have uh, common grounds at least. And, share a discussion and bring up good points with people. And I think that's important to do. And being someone who is looked at as, you know, uh, someone in the vegan um, bodybuilding world and an image in the, you know, male community as someone that's vegan, like it's important to stand up and, you know, speak your side of things and be an image and, and do that. So yeah, man, it, it, is, it is really important. And I think more conversation like that, needs to be out there because, uh, you know, like for me, I, I never had someone say that to me. And I don't know if it was because people were intimidated to say it, or maybe I just didn't have an open ear to it, Right. but I sure might've had a more open ear to it. If someone connected a few dots, you know, for me. And even if it wasn't the final step, what I like to say a lot of times now is even if someone doesn't go vegan, if I can like put a couple puzzle pieces in that in that puzzle of them going vegan, then like the next person might finish the puzzle for them, or right. or five people down the you know line might be the final puzzle piece. But um, even if it's you know changing from like ninety percent animal consumption of their calories down to forty percent animal consumption, in, in the grand scheme of things. 10, 20 people doing that versus a couple people going vegan is actually much more powerful um, for the animals and the environment. Um, and from a health standpoint, it probably is more beneficial too in a lot of ways. Uh, so uh, it's not always about getting people to be vegan or to be plant-based, but to be open to the idea. And if we can get that across to those people who are specifically in that industry, then we're really making some headway. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree with you more. Honestly, that is that is the best approach to activism, advocacy is just meeting people where they are and connecting with them on a human level first, because first, you're never going to change someone unless you can actually connect with them as a human and, you know, just have a conversation. If you if you come in guns blazing, you know, it's never it, the guard's going to go right up. So the first step is is really to connect with them where they are and find something in common. And then, like you said, even if it's just planting a seed, you know, you should never, 
you should never try to force someone to go vegan because it's never going to happen. But if you can provide some sort of insight or some sort of education or even just open their mind up to the idea of wanting to talk about uh, a vegan lifestyle, you know, you've already won because, like you said, somebody might come in, you know, a couple weeks down the road, a couple months, even a couple years and, and finish that puzzle for them and all the dots will connect and, and it'll come full circle and, and then they'll be vegan. But you're right, the, the main difference that's happening right now is the flexitarians or the people who are just reducing their meat consumption are making such a huge impact. And I try to tell that to people all the time is don't strive for per- perfection. You know, if you can't do everything, don't do nothing, do something. So if that something is meatless Mondays or just being consciously aware of where your animal products are, are coming from, like even that is just a step in the right direction to get people to start thinking. You know, that's the problem is, is most people just genuinely don't know and they don't care to think or want to educate themselves on the topic. So I think that's great, man. I completely agree with you. Um, so a question I wanted to ask you is when you talk to these kind of people and for the, for the listeners, um, we'll, we'll link Ryan's Instagram and stuff in the show notes because uh, you know, we can say he has an amazing physique on here, but you truly need to see it. This, you're Jack, dude. I mean, that's just like point blank period. So like, what do people say when they find out that you're vegan? You know, you're, you're coming up this dude with this huge muscular physique and I know you're pretty tall too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that oftentimes people are surprised just because, uh, there is that stereotype out there that if you're vegan, you're not big, strong, tall. Um, and so, Oftentimes people, you know, sometimes won't maybe believe it at first or um, maybe there'll be a friend there that like chimes in and is like, he, you know, he's vegan, right? And they're like, no, he's not. And they're like, yeah, he's been <laughs> vegan forever. And usually, you know, then oftentimes comes like, well, dude, where do you get your protein from? And then I have to explain to them that the can of beans has 30, the tofu block has 30, that's 60. Where do they get their protein? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's great, though, man. I mean, yeah, I I feel like that would be that would probably would have been my initial reaction before I was vegan, seeing someone like you and be like, that dude's vegan. No way. But taking it back into um I want to talk a little bit more about like your, your bodybuilding journey. Um, you know, when, when you made this switch to being vegan and and you're this bodybuilder, I mean, especially eight years ago, you must have, I know there wasn't as many people kind of in the game doing this then. Um, obviously you, you have some of the kind of the OGs like Robert Cheek. Um, you know, was there anybody that you looked up to initially that you were like, well, Obviously, you had your own results um, from doing the the body fat calipers, but was there anybody that you were kind of looking up to at the time in social media like, oh, hey, this person's doing it too, so I can do it? You know, honestly, I just started doing it, and then I kind of started looking around a little bit after I'd been doing it for, I don't know, like six months or something, and then maybe even it was like Robert Cheek who reached out to me. And then I started to like link up with some more vegan people that were like in that community because uh, what I didn't mention was for the first six months, I was like pretty much raw vegan and doing it fruit fruititarian style um, where I was eating a lot of fruit and I was following like 
I don't know. I feel like a lot of vegan people do this to start with, but, and no offense to this dude, but I was following Durian Ryder and I was kind of like all about that fruititarian approach. And, you know, I was staying really lean and had a lot of energy, but, uh, I was kind of like in that circle. And then Robert got a hold of me and started getting into the bodybuilding circle a little bit. And then he came out with a book shortly after that. Maybe I'd been vegan for a year at that time or, or maybe a little longer. And uh, there's a handful of different vegans in that book featured. Um, and so I kind of started to look up to the other people in the book feature, featured. Um, I want to say Derek Trisize Tri -size was uh, one of the guys in the game then. And um, I always kind of admired his physique. And, of course, I thought it was cool that Robert had been doing it for such a long time. Um, right around that time was when I really started to uh, um, get to know Corinne Sutton out of uh, Florida. And, yeah, really close homies with him now, one of my best friends. Um, has, a, has a great physique. Um, outside of that, uh, look up to a few other dudes uh, you know, uh, Nimai came into the game a few years after that. He's got a great physique, does a lot for, for vegan bodybuilding. Absolutely. Um, I think John Lewis came in sometime after that a little bit. He's got a good physique. Uh, John Venus, John Lewis out in Florida, pretty cool dude. Um, as far as like, um, you know, influential in veganism, definitely, um, kind of more into the CrossFit lifestyle. Uh, Ed Bauer, really cool dude out of Oakland. Um, yeah. You know, definitely been doing it for a, a while now. I think 15 plus years, maybe like 20 almost. Um, so those are some of the names out there that are coming to mind right now of people that were either doing it right around that time before me or like coming in right after me and uh starting to do some stuff so i was linking up with them chatting with them um telling what i was doing um seeing what they were doing and we were all kind of you know talking about you know blazing these trails basically for veganism at that time and yeah now looking back on it seven plus years ago it's just pretty crazy to see how far it's came Oh, absolutely. It has certainly evolved. I mean, I've been vegan for six years now. And uh, yeah, just looking back when I started, even just uh, from a standpoint of the products that were available, when I first switched to what's out there now, and not only what's out there, but how convenient and available it is. I mean, almost at almost at any restaurant you go to now, you can find like a like a Beyond Meat or an Impossible Burger. Uh, which is insane, the, the fact that they just have that option so widespread now. So it's it's definitely come a long way. Definitely insanely awesome. Yeah, for sure. Definitely makes <laughs> it easier for us. It's like, uh, I think we appreciate it more because uh, we didn't have as many options, you know, back in the day. It's like... Yeah, that's for sure, man. I remember dehydrating. I remember dehydrating veggie burgers for days, uh, my old homemade ones, like, and they weren't that good even. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was like, yeah, that was like Boca Burgers was like what was out when I first went. And I'm just like, I hate Boca Burgers. I think they tasted awful. I'm just like, I, I, I don't even want to eat this. And then, you know, they come out with Beyond Meat and I'm just like, what? This is insane. This is, this isn't meat. Like it tastes like a burger. So 
Yeah, definitely has came a long ways. I would agree. So speaking of food, uh, so what does a typical day of eating uh, look like for you? Yeah, a lot of times recently uh, I, I do a big smoothie in the morning in the Vitamix, something like three to four frozen bananas, one to two cups of uh, berries, usually dark cherries, and then uh, probably like one cup of, uh, you know, dairy-free milk alternative. So whether that be soy milk or flax milk or almond milk or cashew milk or coconut milk, just like kind of whatever usually is on sale or yeah, maybe I get that like feeling that I need more protein for some reason and I get soy milk or flax milk. Maybe I feel feeling protein deficient, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so then how's the rest of the day look for you? Uh, and then after that, usually I have some more fruit rocking and rolling, probably like mid-morning, really been digging some citrus lately, like um, clementines or oranges, uh, a lot of a lot of good citrus out here in Arizona right now. And then probably something big for lunch, like rice, beans, tofu, veg, avocado, um, hummus, sriracha, something like that. And then um, a couple different uh, like snacks would be something like uh peanut butter and uh peanut butter and apple or um at the gym i got like a whole bunch of different vegan uh treats right now which is bad so it's been like (laughs) i mean i hope like i did hear some controversy on it but i think lenny and larry's has got their cookies all squared away now and they're vegan as far as I know, there was some controversy out there, but I think we're good on the cookies now. Oh, wow. I didn't um, even know about that. So I, love, I been, like those cookies, yeah. Dude, you know what I've been doing? I've been taking the peanut butter Lenny and Larry's, and then I take like a really good like soft banana and kind of mash it on top of the cookie. Oh, And it's okay. like a peanut butter banana cookie then. And I feel wow. less bad about it because I'm like, I'm eating fruit and a cookie. <laughs> so it kind of balances so that's been one of my gym treats um, just because, like, I've been working a lot of hours, and that's never a good excuse. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you resort to the old uh, banana uh, cookie sandwich. <laughs> I might have to try that, man. I, I've been on a Whole Foods kick lately, uh, I'll admit. Oh, so I haven't, I haven't been buying <laughs> snacks and stuff. But uh, if I come across the – that in a pinch or something where I'm traveling, I might have to give that a go. I'm so. telling you, I think it could be a thing, dude. It'd be real easy to take two Lenny and Larry's and then do like a little bit of nice cream in the Vitamix, smash those two yeah. things together and throw it in the freezer for like, I don't know, half an hour, serve those at a little get together and it'd be a knockout, dude. There you go, man. You might have to contact them and uh, start Seriously, working on a, uh, a product. <laughs> don't release this until I get that to, uh, good All with right. them. I'll just edit this part out. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, man. So another thing I wanted to talk and ask uh, about is something I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. Uh, I am familiar with it because my dad actually uh, practices this. But uh, how did you get into Reiki? And and for those that don't know what Reiki is, maybe give a little uh, brief explanation of what that is. Yeah, well, um, you know, from a from a very young standpoint in life, I really felt like I could heal with my hands as a little as a little boy even. And I didn't really know how to do that. 
But uh, that nice lady that I talked about earlier that I was in a relationship for a, a while with over five years, um, she was a chiropractor. And beyond that, she was quite the healer. And so I was kind of a guinea pig in a lot of her practice um, in a totally ethical sense, I should say, um, and, and and learned a lot from her and went on to, after we decided to go our separate ways, um, learn a lot more about healing and different modalities of healing, acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, energy work, Reiki being one of them. And it was at a certain point when I had really gotten into the personal training and really gotten into why is the body reacting like this? Why am I seeing that? Why is the tissue not happy in this area? And why is this emotion showing up, you know, like here? And I started to connect a lot of dots in movement and movement patterns. And then through that and massage and doing that, I started to be able to really heal people and feel that I was healing people. And wow. um, it was at that point that I was introduced to a lady who was a master Reiki healer and her name was Rachel Augusta. And she started to become one of my clients and come in and train with me. And in turn, I would trade her for her energy healing sessions. And at one point, she said, you know, Ryan, I've worked with a lot of people and I've never really been around anyone who is as naturally talented as you without coaching. I would love to coach you and help you learn Reiki better. And so it was at that point that I took her up on that and did learn some Reiki um, even though I do choose to learn more of a healing modality that's called healing touch, um, it involves some massage therapy and energy movement in the body. Um, but yeah, it's something that is just so helpful in what I do for a profession. And um, just as far as symmetry goes and bodybuilding and um, injury, wow. injury prevention, it's something that's been very, very helpful for myself and my clientele um, as I've continued to progress and get better at that. Um, and now something that I feel very confident in and um, heal very frequently. And I think my clientele could attest to that. Um, and it's something that, like, again, that first statement that you asked me to give about my mission statement really does relate back to, you know, what I want to give back to this world and at the end of the day, if I can help someone heal and feel better, that's really touches close to home because that's that's what I want to do. And if I can do that um, through healing for a person, that's that's big. People are animals, too. And I think that's something that we yeah. sometimes are, you know, maybe maybe we don't think enough about as a vegan is our, you know, other humans, brothers and sisters on this earth that we share together and helping them out. And so to be able to do that through um, massage therapy or acupuncture or chiropractic or any of those different modalities of energy work, I think that that's something to me that is really like giving back in, in the same sense and 
um, something that I really enjoy doing is, is helping someone heal. So yeah, man, it's something that, that I think, um, probably most easily explained is moving energy that, uh, in the body is not really cohesive to, um, running optimally. And the goal is to, um, bring in better energy and remove the bad energy is my simplest terms of how I would describe what I do as far as energy work. Wow. That's great, man. I actually have really positive experience with Reiki when I was 18 years old. Uh, I played lacrosse and I separated my AC joint. Um, and for those of you listening, the AC joint is what connects your collarbone, uh, to your shoulder blade. So essentially my collarbone was sticking out maybe like four or five inches. And I remember going to the doctors and them telling me, you know, you're definitely going to have to have surgery. And I was like, okay, but first I had to wear this sling for six weeks. And for six weeks, my dad did Reiki on, on my AC joint every single day. And when those six weeks were up and I could get my sling off, I went back into the doctors and they were just like, well, it, it, it's completely healed. Like at this point, like if you get surgery, it's just going to be cosmetic to like put it back into place a little bit more like where it used to be. And I was like, well, I don't think it's worth it for that. And since then it's, it's gone completely back into its normal position where it was. I, I don't even suffer pain or anything like that. A lot of people who have had previous injuries, they report, you know, like when the weather gets bad or something, you know, they'll, they'll have pain flare ups. Like it does not bother me, not one time. And, you know, to this day, I, I attest that to my dad giving me Reiki on my shoulder for six weeks. So I, I think it's amazing and, and people should definitely uh, open up their minds to it a little bit. So, yeah, I think with an open mind, uh, people can a lot of times see um, a big difference in just one session. And obviously, like working out or other things similar to that, you'll see a great benefit from six weeks, six months, a year of, you know, uh, consistency. So, um, that's one thing I think people need to keep in mind anytime you're talking about work and that area is, you know, one time does a lot of good oftentimes, but you know, uh, five times or 10 times or, you know, a whole year linked together, um, consistently can really help a person out a lot. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Completely agree. It's all about consistency and in any kind of health aspect that you're talking about, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, um, consistency is the key 100%. Well, man, we're going to wrap it up here soon. But first, I want to get to know you a little bit more. So we're going to play a little game, uh, just a little this or that. I'm basically just going to give you two options and you're just going to pick what your preference is and why you chose that. So, okay. All right. Cool. All right, here we go. So uh, this is a good one to start. Deadlift or squat? <laughs> uh, dude, uh, I like them both. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, currently, I'm going to say squat. Okay. Because it feels uh, better on my low back. Deadlifts have been just being gnarly right now. But I love them, but I hate them right now. <laughs> Yeah, I've been there. I've definitely switched between the two. Actually, I've been uh, I've been doing deadlifts with the hex bar, and I found that that has actually alleviated a lot of pressure um, off of my back rather than doing a, a barbell deadlift. So 
Yeah, it's just you, you just got to move through the different ones that feel good and the, uh, move away from the ones that feel bad. There's a yeah, lot of different yeah. ways to deadlift and squat. So that's uh, the biggest thing. Oftentimes people think, I can't squat, but that's not true. You can squat, but you just have to find a way to do it that doesn't hurt. So Absolutely. right now, yeah. um, I've kind of been digging um, squatting. And I've been doing a lot of low bar squatting, but this week high bar squatting felt pretty good. So, you know, a lot of things have came together, though, in the last few weeks, especially with the gym. And, you know, I get a lot of energy uh, work done on me, actually a specific kind of work done on me called networking. And, uh, yeah, I can just tell that there's a lot less tension in my body after this is all came about. So I'm ready to really crush some squats and deadlifts. So maybe next time you talk to me, it'll be deadlifts. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Right now we're going with squats. Cool. All right. Squats it is. All right. Next one. Bench press or dumbbell press? Oh, bench press or dumbbell press. Um, we're going to go with bench press just because it's a super bro lift. <laughs> it is, but it is a great lift too. It's it's actually uh I don't think a lot of people realize how full body it actually is. You know, like a proper bench press, uh you're driving a lot of power from your legs as well. So oftentimes after a heavy bench, you know, my quads will be burning. So Yeah, sometimes I get an awesome back pump from a really good chest day and usually that incorporates some barbell bench press. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh arm day or leg day? <sighs> Come on, dude, leg day. For sure. I've always been, uh, um, started lifting in 1999 and I took pride in legs since 1999. That's almost 20 years ago. And I always think the legs kind of speak for themselves, um, right away when, when you meet someone, if they got a set of, a set of legs on them, I know that they're, they're willing to put in some hard work cause big wheels don't come easy and they don't come quick either. So there's a lot to be said about having uh, some good legs, and I've always took pride in legs. That's true, man. Now, I actually really agree with you. I made the mistake. I've been lifting on and off since I was 14, uh, really been consistent with the, the last three years. Uh, but early on, legs was something that I neglected, um, and I'm paying for it now trying to catch up because genetically I have very broad shoulders and just really big shoulders too and, and a bigger chest. So my upper torso is is really wide, and then my legs are not as big. So I am trying to play catch up <laughs> really hard right now. So, well, maybe you need to get on the maybe you need to get on the training program, bro. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on that big Ryan Nelson uh, training program here, That's and just saying. gonna be crushing thousand pound leg presses. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's switch it up to food here. Uh, we're going to go with Beyond Meat Burger or Impossible Burger. Impossible. Uh, I think it tastes better, and I worked for them. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Cool. I didn't know that. What, what was your involvement with them? Yeah, when we did that vegan NASCAR circuit, we served 25,000 uh, Impossible Burgers over the NASCAR season to NASCAR fans. So, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was beyond meat for some reason. I don't know why I got them switched up, but impossible. <laughs> You're right though. It is, it is delicious. I like them both. They're both um, good. Man. I feel like it, it depends on the day. Depends on the day. You know what one was really good in San Diego. You can go to this place and 
I can't remember the name off the top of my head right now, but it has a what's called a Beyond Impossible Burger, and they put a Beyond Burger on top of an Impossible Burger. Oh wow! Then you can have the best of both worlds. Wow! Yeah, I need to get on that ASAP. <laughs> yeah, it's on my Instagram. You can check it out. Uh, I, I got to look it up for yeah, sure. It's on okay, there, bro. I'm, check it out. I'm doing that right after this <laughs> podcast. All right, let's go to the next one: uh, tofu or seitan? Tofu. Tofu, because I think that it sets a little bit better for me as far as like. I don't have any sort of digestive issues with tofu usually, um, whereas a little bit goes a long ways as seitan usually. That can, I don't know if it's a little bit of a sensitivity towards wheat gluten or maybe it's just like so dense and high in protein that, dude, if you eat very much, it's like 100 grams of protein or maybe a little combination of both. Um, Oftentimes, I think it's usually pretty processed. Um, unless I'm making my own, which then, um, is awesome, but, uh, I, I'm going to lean towards the tofu, man. Yeah. I might have to agree with you at least on a, a sustainability level. I like seitan and, you know, for like a treat, if I'm going out a yeah. lot of restaurants, like the junk food, vegan places will have like yeah. deep fried, like seitan, like wings or whatever, like great. But like on a long-term basis, yeah, I got to go with tofu. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one is savory or sweet. Sweet, definitely sweet every time. Big time sweet tooth, love carbohydrates. Probably nice. one of the biggest desserty person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> love desserts. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. I like I like desserts, but I gotta go with savory. Oh man. All right, uh beach or mountains. <sighs> Tough one, dude. Grew up in the mountains. Hang out a lot at the beach. Probably mountains, dude. Definitely got to go mountains. That's home. Yeah. I like the best of both worlds, Pacific Northwest. You mm, get the beach and the mountains. That is a nice area. All right, last one here is going to be East Coast or West Coast. Ah, definitely West Coast, I think. Yeah, it's just a little more chill for me, man. I always seem like I'm like sprinting or something when I'm on the East Coast. And the West Coast just seems a lot more like convertible, top-down, chilling. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. Definitely more a progressive lifestyle out there. Uh, a lot more options for uh, people who are plant-based or vegan and just uh, a way more chill lifestyle. I agree 100%. So. Yeah. Cool, man. Hey, well, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Where can people get in contact with you at? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Instagram is a good one. Uh, Ryan Nelson Fitness. Um, from there, you can check out the new gym link, Los Campeones, Tempe, Arizona. Um, check out the website for both my training nutrition and uh, the gym. So that's a good place to reach me. Also reach me at info at ryannelsonfitness.com. That's another good place to reach me. So yeah, man, thanks so much for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I will link all these uh, in the show notes. So if you guys want to connect with Ryan, I highly recommend it. Hit up his Instagram. Uh, great guy. Insane physique. He will definitely inspire you to get up off your ass and go do something. Um, whether it's picking up a weight or speaking up for what you believe in. Uh, you got big muscles and a big heart to match, man. So I'm super glad that you were able to come on the show and, and share your insight. And uh, I appreciate it. And I enjoy talking to you. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we get to do this again soon. 
Absolutely for sure. All right, man. Thanks. All right, brother. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. It helps so much to spread this message as far as it can go. And don't forget to share this podcast with a family member or friend, somebody you think would gain value from this message. If you guys want to stay up to date on podcasts, giveaways, and the vegan manly man movement, visit my website, www.theveganmanlyman.com and sign up for my newsletter. My name is Jake Singer, and this is the Vegan Manly Man Podcast.